Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Tuesday, the 21st of February. First up, Project Veritas busted lying about James O'Keefe firing and loses 200,000 followers in 24 hours. Some interesting developments overnight uh, in the James O'Keefe ouster from Project Veritas. In particular, a massive F around and find out is taking place online against Project Veritas because many, including myself, uh, associate James O'Keefe, rightfully so, with Project Veritas. And now that he's been Papa John'd out of his own company, um, people are angry about it, and rightfully so, because, you know, unless there's something else that isn't public, which, you know, at this point you would think would be out there, I have no idea what on earth is happening. You know, people are online, online talking about all this infighting, right? Like, you know, the Tim Pool versus the quartering. And then, um, you know, the, obviously the stuff going on at Project Veritas and uh, Crowder versus Daily Wire and all these things. It is kind of spooky out there. And, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, it's February, end of February, leading into March. It's time for us to be galvanized, uh, I think. And, you know, we can have our disagreements, but I think we're all swimming in the same direction. I, I, I would feel, you know, um, and I'm just not sure, you know, everyone's kind of said their piece, so it's time to get back to work. So James O'Keefe pointed, since it's already out there, here are my heartfelt remarks to my staff this morning. I need to make clear, I have not resigned from my company, Project Veritas I founded 13 the company Project Veritas I founded 13 years ago. I was stripped of my position as CEO and chairman. I came to the Project Veritas office today to remove my personal belongings. If you're wondering what's next, stay tuned. And you know, this is a video, I think it's about 45 minutes long. Certainly, you know, if most of you have probably seen it, it's got 2.7 million views. The post itself viewed 5.2 million times with over 104,000 likes. Uh, what's so interesting is you look at a lot of the community out there, Carpe Donctum. It's terrible and tragic what they've done to you, my friend. Watching them destroy what you built is truly sad. I, I don't know if I could, you know, on a much smaller scale. I used to have this YouTube channel. It was my very first YouTube channel called Be Your Own IT. And I built it up from the ground up doing computer repairs and selling little computer repair kits. Uh, I then had a day job. I wasn't making much money on it. Um, and the day job was an internet business incubator. And so they offered me, I don't remember what it was. It was like $100,000. And I've never seen that kind of money before in my life for like 95% of it. And I'm like, okay. You know, I was I had a really nice salary at working for this company, so I'm like, okay, well, cool, I'll cash out, and then I'll still own a percentage of the company, and um, you know, help it help it grow, uh, and then they completely bungled it and closed it, and and actually, as of recently, they just deleted all of my videos, all the history. Now, of course, I didn't own it anymore, um, but it was really sad. I was like, dang, my that part of my history is just gone. You know, a lot of times people pull up like the first video I made on YouTube like 13, 14 years ago. It's gone now. I think I was talking about why you shouldn't smoke next to your computer. Um, but like the it sucks. Uh, and I imagine, you know, I had built that YouTube channel for several years. 
and it was just gone. And um, obviously, you know, Project Veritas is a little bit of a bigger animal. It's on the you know nth degree of what that felt like. But I feel like I can relate at least a little bit. Everybody in these responses, of course, you know, wherever you go, James, we will follow. Project Veritas is nothing without you from Sarah Gonzalez. Everybody in, you know, in the conservative or mid-conservative space rallying behind James O'Keefe. And like I said, unless there's something we don't know about, I, I just don't understand it. I, I mean, this is like, it's like when, uh, you know, Jeffrey's camera wasn't working, right? That Doesn't that feel like that a little bit? Like, what in the heck? This is happening right in front of us and nobody can stop it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you've basically um, taken the heart out of Project Veritas. And I feel terrible for all the employees there um, who probably just want to do good work. And now I don't know if they're going to be gone or, you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, also, it's difficult to know exactly what is going to happen to everyone that works there. Um, there's reports of, you know, of, you know, how oh, James alienated donors. Who? Pfizer? You know, where there's some far lefty companies that were donating to Project Veritas and got mad when um, they had the biggest story of their life? I don't know. And we've now reached the find out stage as Project Veritas has responded to it, getting ruthlessly ratioed uh, with, let's see, 3,600 likes on 1.9 million views, obviously 22,000 comments on it. Nobody's happy about it. Nobody even really understands exactly how we got here because we have, you know, we'll look at this post, we'll look at this post, of course, but just everybody absolutely demolishing him. You know, Paisano posted his goodbye video, uh, Veritas doing that, you know, memes, 1700 likes Hodge twins y'all about to get ratioed over this one you know already happening glorious to see I don't know if I feel you know it's hard to feel great about this it's hard to feel like ha 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 you're getting what you deserve I mean yeah it is they are but dang like you know pro th this company was is uh doing amazing work in the space now, I don't always think every story that they present is like the incredible bombshell that it's presented as, but certainly things like uh, the Pfizer interview is kind of a big one uh, when they were getting teachers on tape talking about ignoring you know, what they're told. You see trending right now, James is Project Veritas with over 50,000 tweets. I mean, everybody in these comment sections, obviously you're losing followers faster than Joe Biden. Biden's losing brain cells. I unfollowed today. I suggest everyone else unfollow. It's become this kind of mass unfollowing event. Um, and I, I guess I don't really know because if we look at how many followers they have lost, um, I, you know, outside of the meaningless beauty community, I don't think I've ever seen a mass exodus like this. If you still look back like, Last week, or back on the 9th, when it kind of broke that James was on his vacation, they stemmed the tide a little bit by posting this picture of James, uh, and we're going to get to their hilariously, uh, uh, you know, their huge lie in just a minute. Uh, you know, and then they even started growing again. Thursday, 2,000 followers, 1,000 followers. 
you know, still growing, growing, growing. Then boom, Monday, 192,000 people left. Tuesday, we're already at 58,000. If it's at, let's say, 221,089. So I don't know when the last update this, so it doesn't look okay. So it looks pretty re recent. Obviously, it's just constantly going down. It, it's wild um, to, to see, you know, what, 250,000 people right now uh, have unfollowed Project Veritas. I haven't unfollowed them yet because I keep waiting. You guys know how I am. I'm like, oh, please let there be a kernel of reason for this insanity. But, you know, as time goes on, you know, I would think if my entire business was crumbling around me, I might issue some sort of statement saying, well, actually, you guys all, you know, dumping on us. Well, here's the truth. That's what they posted. And it was the most ridiculous garbage anyone's ever seen on the internet on top of the fact that they brazenly lied just two weeks ago. So I don't really see this as any other type of situation where um, you don't, the only situation here is that they, the board intended to destroy Project Veritas. That's my opinion. You know, today, James O'Keefe decided to remove his belongings from Project Veritas headquarters the board and management made numerous attempts in the last 14 days to have a conversation with James, but he ignored our outreach and decided to instead leak private information to others, either by doing so himself or by proxy. I'm not really sure what that what that's referencing to. As today is President's Day, our office was closed. We had a board meeting scheduled for tomorrow where James was invited. There was also a board meeting on Friday, February 10th, where James was invited but did not attend. Imagine attending one of these struggle sessions in a company that you built to discuss financial malfeasance that was discovered, which requires us to act in order to remain in compliance with the law. So what they're trying to imply here is that there's, you know, James stole money or misappropriated funds. That's what they're trying to imply here, in my opinion. There were two subjects that the board wished to come to terms with James on. The company's long-term stability based on staff retention and morale and the company's financial health, which had been a serious concern for several months now. Really? You guys get millions of dollars in millions of dollars in um, donations every year. What are you talking about? Financial stability. What do you even... What? Although PV leadership has not concluded looking into the full scale of the financial issues over the years, a preliminary review at this time indicates that James had spent excessive amounts of donor funds in the past three years on personal luxuries. More is still being uncovered during this ongoing review. Contrary to many reports from today, James was suspended indefinitely pending the resolution of a fulsome investigation and clarity, which we need to be pro providing by third-party investigative audit report. Here are a few examples of what's been uncovered so far by PV leadership. This is far from an exhaustive list. So here's where, uh, you know, they uh, are going to attempt to smear him. $14,000 on charter flights to meet someone to fix his boat under the guise of meeting with the donor. Well, that's not good if true, but maybe it was both. I don't know. $60,000 in losses by putting together dance events such as the Project Veritas experience. 
Well, I'm not sure that that's financial malfeasance. You had an event, you lost money. I don't know what the how those things are related. Maybe the intent was to drum up donors, which didn't happen, and so you're blaming him for that. I don't know. This one is a little odd. Over $150,000 in black cars in the last 18 months. I don't know what that means. Does that mean in a year and a half he bought two Escalades? Because, I mean, honestly, the price of an Escalade is like 60K, 70K. So does that mean he bought two Escalades in the last year and a half? And that's, I, I don't understand. Or does that mean Uber black and he's spending an enormous amount of money on Uber? I don't really know. Thousands of dollars spent on DJ and other equipment for personal use. Hundreds of other acts of personal inurement. Hundreds. The board wants to work things out with James and has tried every route possible to remedy the situation uh, and to take the legally required corrective actions. James also left us no choice but to suspend him in the last few weeks when he unilaterally fired the CFO who can only be fired with the board approval. This is a violation of our nonprofit's bylaws. James went as far as to say that a board member had approved this firing to others, but it was later discovered that that was not the case. That member did not approve the firing. Board approved James's suspension, so it would have time to properly investigate these internal infractions. Now, this does sound like maybe these things are all true, and this is like some sort of growing pain for somebody who started the company and is was used to spending its money more freely without oversight. Um, you know, I could see how that might be like, Hey, it's my company. What are you telling me? I can spend the money however I want. Maybe that happened. Um, none of these things, except for the 150 K on cars is a little suspect, but the, the, the charter flight, you know, if he wasn't meeting a donor, that's super sus. Um, but let's not pretend that small businesses don't have business expenses all the time that are, uh, uh, you know, loosely tied to their business. Uh, I don't really care. Um, if they wrote some things off that weren't a hundred percent business, but when you're a nonprofit, um, you know, these things are, uh, you know, relevant, except if I'm to take their word on this, I'm concerned when they wrote, James left us no choice, but to suspend him in the last few weeks when he, when he unilaterally fired the CFO, but that's not what they said two weeks ago when they tweeted, of course, James O'Keefe is alive and well, why wouldn't he be? We're sure many of you can agree there's nothing better than enjoying a well-deserved vacation. So this was, you know, two weeks before where they, you know, brazenly lied um, that he was, in fact, already suspended at this point. So they lied here. That puts everything else they're saying into question. Maybe they had a business culture, a work culture where this stuff was okay, and then sudden, the spending stuff, and then suddenly when they wanted to get rid of him, it became a problem. I could absolutely have seen that. Look, I know a lot of business owners, you know, their personal car has a magnetic sticker on it that says their company name. I don't care about that because the government steals our money in taxes anyway. So if that's what this stuff was, gray area write-offs that were suddenly a problem now, that also seems very suspicious. And next up, Ohio is under attack. Pete Buttigieg gets demolished after finally heading to East Palestine. Well, 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 look who has finally emerged from their hidey hole. 18 full days 
after the incident that happened in East Palestine, Ohio, only after Donald Trump said he was going to go there, and only after Trump saying that forced FEMA to act, and only after the masses of viewers out there like you, people on Twitter, shared the story. Only then did Pete Booty Judge get off his rear end and go to a city, agree to go to a city. This guy gets absolutely zero credit for showing up. He should have been there day one. It is literally his job, okay? President Biden going to Ukraine and just like flying right over Ohio. Whoop, see you later, buddies. Oh gosh, I really told Air Force One to stop, but they told me no. Grr, curses. Uh, it's it's one of the biggest embarrassments for Democratic leadership and really bipartisan leadership that this country has seen in a long time. I mean, I suppose there's another disastrous um, uh, uh, outcome every other week with these idiots, but it's like, you know, as somebody who considers themselves, you know, fiscally conservative, uh, maybe like uh, on social issues more liberal than maybe even my viewers are. Uh, this is like, come on, guys, we can't reach across the aisle and help these people. Everything has to be politicized. Everything has to be about getting votes. These are citizens that are, you know, I reported on yesterday, have some, you know, people are having sore throats and rashes and all this kind of stuff. But no, Pete Booty Judge didn't want to show up to do his dang job because it would have made the president look bad. Because Joe Biden is too busy having two scoops of ice cream on his cones and flying to Ukraine for his little buddy that's going to suck us into World War III. Geez, I wonder if Ukraine has some sort of photographs of his son or some sort of damaging evidence that is making Joe Biden act like this guy's got him by the short and curlies. Gee, I wonder. I mean, I can't know for sure, but it sure seems suspicious that this guy has, you know, the most powerful country in the world, uh, tip, you know, tap dancing and, and bending over backwards to meet his every need. Now, defensive Pete Booty Judge says he'll finally go to Ohio Toxic Train Site 18 days after, then has the absolute unmitigated gall to claim that Trump's visit tomorrow is just a photo op, as East Palestine mayor calls Biden's Kiev trip the biggest slap in the face. Of course it is. It's absolutely absurd that it would be portrayed any way else. This is one, you know, I'm just a simple man politically. I don't know everything about foreign policy, all this stuff. I never have. I never will. It's not something that, you know, is in my wheelhouse. However, what I will say is just a simple man's position. It's like, gosh, we have like, you know, millions of homeless people in this country, millions of people who are addicted to pills, millions of people that are living below the poverty line, but we have trillions of dollars to send to the country where your son worked for a power company for a job that he had absolutely no qualifications to have. I mean, sometimes things are just that simple. And I'm really starting to think this whole thing stinks. And it did from the start. But I've always tried to give some benefit of the doubt. But when you're talking about we don't have money to build a wall to secure our borders and, and stop the hundreds of thousands of people pouring over it and putting massive strains on those weak systems that we already have. But we have trillions to send to his little actor, uh, little fluffer boy, um, uh, Zelensky. And look, I have, you know, shout out to, you know, the Ukrainian people. They didn't ask for any of this. And I hope for their safety. And, 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 and also... Sorry, 
Shout out to the you know Russian citizens. They didn't ask for any of this. They didn't want this. They have a leader doing whatever it is that they they want to do, and and do, they don't care about the will of the people. And that's something I think I can relate to. Now, Pete Booty Judge revealed Tuesday that he will go to East Palestine after intense backlash ensued when he did not visit after President Joe Biden instead headed for Ukraine in the aftermath of the train derailment. Let me be very clear. The Democrats will not win Ohio in 2024. There is a 0% chance after this. Midwesterners, we remember, okay? And don't think that whatever Republican runs, whatever, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or whatever, they're going to make everyone remember. East Palestine Mayor Trent Conaway tore into the President Joe Biden's trip to Ukraine in the midst of the derailment, claiming he refused to focus on domestic issues and instead parade around the war-torn Eastern European country was a slap in the face. War-torn? I don't know about all that. Imagine thinking, I'm supposed to believe that you know Putin's so dangerous that we sent our president there, we told everyone in the world where he'd be and when he'd be there. Gee, I'm starting to wonder if maybe people are inflating just how dangerous the Ruskies are, okay? Booty Judge, however, downplayed the need for an administrative official to come. That's your freaking job, bro. You're the face of it. I don't care if you don't feel like there needs to be an official on the ground. That's your job, okay? I don't care if you have a thousand underlings doing every little thing. You put your boots on the ground. In his case, they're probably some sort of leather, snakeskin crap that he bought at some S&M shop, but I don't care. Put them on the ground and go help these people. Don't go there and don't take any freaking pictures. Don't do any press conferences. Go there and look at the water. Go there and drink the water. Breathe the air. Hmm, I wonder if Pete Booty Judge was maybe just waiting three weeks for things to clear up a little bit, but they sent everybody back in town after just a few hours. God, this sucks. He suggested that former President Donald Trump, his upcoming trip to Ohio on Wednesday is just a photo op as part of his 2024 campaign, bidding to take helm of the White House. Even if it is. Even if it is. So, I guarantee you that that, uh, Trump announcing that he was going to go to uh, 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 East Palestine, the fact that he was going to go there in the first place, and then suddenly FEMA the very next day was like, oh, I guess we'll help these people. Like, you don't think, I mean, there's 0% of me that believes that those two things are not, you know, correlated. The, The idea that President Trump still gets more stuff done out of office than he ever did in office, it seems like. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't care if it is a photo op. Why weren't you there on the first day, dude? He goes, ever since, I can't can't wait for him to say all this criticism homophobic, too. You know that's coming. Ever since I came into this job, I've seen the power that a multi-billion dollar railroad companies wield, and they fight safety regulations tooth and nail. That's got to change. The future cannot be like the past. Wow, thanks, Pete Booty Judge. What Harry Potter book did you take that out of? It's absolutely absurd. 
Transportation Secretary Booty Judge said that National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, this agency responsible for investigating civil transportation accidents, should be able to work independently to address the mishap without his presence. That's not the point. I'm planning to go, and our folks are were on the ground in the first hours. He insisted to Good Morning America. You have time for Good Morning America. What's that flight from Texas? Any from Texas? It's like a two-hour flight, bro. Get on a freaking plane. I'm planning to go. He insisted to Good Morning America on Tuesday when asked why he had not visited East Palestine in 18 days since the derailment. He did not give a timeline for when he will make it to the ground of the disaster. Booty Judge has called for higher maximum fines. Yeah, money fines. That always works against corporations. Uh, for railroad safety breaches, but has yet to even pay a visit to a small town still reeling in the aftermath of the toxic chemicals infiltrating the air, ground, and water. He wrote a letter on Sunday, ooh, a letter, I hope it was strongly worded, to the president and CEO of Norfolk Southern, which owns and operates the train that derailed carrying hazardous material. Norfolk Southern must live up to its commitment to the people of East Palestine, Booty Judge wrote Monday, yes, I know what his real name is, but he will always be Booty Judge to me. In a Monday Instagram post that we put on Instagram. And maybe you should go show up at their offices and demand to speak. Your government official, man, show up at this guy's house and make him like go meet with him. What is going on with these people? Oh, I sent off a tweet. I tweeted about it. What else do you want me to do, bro? Like this whole thing is ridiculous. Now, I don't know. One of my good friends is on the way there right now, so we're going to get some on-the-ground reporting, I think, from somebody that I actually trust uh, tomorrow, and uh, hopefully I'll uh, get some footage from her in the morning. But, uh, you know, the EPA administrator, Michael Reagan, was on the ground in Ohio-Pennsylvania border last week, 13 days after the, tra the train veered off track. Imagine that. Like, um, sir, there's been a disaster uh, you know, thousands of people evacuated. What, what, what would you like to do? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I've got a massage scheduled this week and then next week, next week's just not good for me. I guess I'll just go in three weeks. These people don't care about Americans. They never did. And they're absolutely disgusting. Pete Booty Judge should be stepping down immediately from his fake position, a job he's woefully prepared or skilled enough to do. And next up, epic backfire. She got busted faking being Muslim for woke job by her own mother. Remember that uh, race baiter wrote Rachel Dolezal, who is clearly white, and then pretended to be black, and then on top of that, used that blackness to obtain position, social media clout, and jobs, and social justice, pretending to be a black person, I just found an even better story. Now, this is another race faker posing as a social justice activist who claimed that she was of Latin, South Asian, and Arab descent, is unmasked by her own mother, who confirms the liar is as white as snow. The chief inclusion officer at Philadelphia-based Quaker group has been out. Oh, my God. She was a. This is why I love reading the articles. Sometimes I read the articles. or I mean, sometimes reacting to the articles in real time, you know, blows up in my face and the video kind of veers all over the place because by the end, you know, maybe I've changed my opinion. But this is one of those times where I'm like, 
awesome. <laughs> Just get to, I get to see it in real time. The chief inclusion officer at Philadelphia-based Quaker group has been outed by her own mother, which she has no idea why her daughter claims to be Latin, South Asian, and Arab descent when she is as white as the driven snow. Raquel Sarawati's colleagues at American Friends Service Committee are now asking whether she is in fact an infiltrator actively undermining their work. Quote, I definitely feel conned. I feel deceived, said Oxar Pierre Castro, uh, a human resources professional uh, who participated in the search committee to fill Miss Saraswati's position, who spoke to The Intercept. Look, people are figuring out that uh, being white uh, kind of sucks when you're looking for jobs. Uh, you're going to get passed over by anybody else who could possibly have applied in many cases, and especially for these type of positions. When you're talking about a pointless job, you know, this country has way too much HR, way too much. Now, you want to get somebody who manages the PTO and the paychecks, and if one employee is putting their hands on the other, that's fine. But you look at some of these big corporations where they have like freaking eight or nine um, C-level HR people, start right there and wondering and wondering why these companies are so dysfunctional, okay? Now, in an open letter from a group of individuals who cared deeply about AFSCs provided an in-depth analysis of her ancestry and her work and expressed concern about her role. They accused the 39-year-old who converted to Islam in high school and has since come out as gay. Wait, what? Wait, what? I don't think she's read the book. Have you read the book? I don't know. I don't think you've read the book. Uh, Ancestry has expressed concern about her role. Uh, they have accused her of culture vulturism and noted that the shades of bronzer she applies to her face, face have become darker over time. Well, she's just white. She's clearly white. Like, what are you talking about? She's just super white. I don't even understand. The authors called the AFSC to investigate why a member of its most senior leadership had so profoundly eroded trust among people of color. They noted her appearance on conservative-hosted shows and asked, are there external entities from whom Sarswati is collaborating? Oh, she's, she's working from within just because she went on a conservative show. No, she just doesn't care. She does. She's not an interesting person, so she makes everything about, you know, I'm sure she puts her pronouns in her email signatures and things like that. But she just doesn't have any skills, so she's like, well, I'll just pack on you know, victimhood points here or minority points and they'll have to hire me. And it worked. It, it worked. Uh, he added that Raquel, who also assures us that she remains loyal to AFSC's mission, which we firmly believe. Miss Saraswati's identity was first questioned by a media commentator, Sana Saeed, who tweeted way back in 2015, can we talk about the Rachel Dolazov uh, can we talk about Raquel Dolazov in the Muslim community? Y'all know what I mean. I mean, if you're in the Muslim community, uh, are there gay people in the Muslim community? I certainly suspect so. Uh, but I don't think that they're, they're like, I mean, are you kidding? This fake ethnic 
name plus bronzer plus dark foundation plus orient orientalism used to legitimize islamophobic organizations and events the allegations were given fresh impetus this month on february 10th the letter was pushed on medium on february 16th the intercept spoke to miss saraswati's mother oh she changed her last name to carol perone who confirmed her daughter was not a person of color I call her Rachel, says Miss Perone. I don't know why she's doing what she's doing. Miss Perone said of her daughter is British, German, and Italian ass, uh, uh, descent, not Latin, South Asian, or Arab. I'm as white as the driven snow, and so is she, she said. Miss Perone told the site that her daughter converted to Islam in high school, which likely informed her decision to present herself as a, another ethnicity. I'm German and British. Her father was Calabrese Italian, her mother added. She's chosen to live a lie, and I find that very, very sad. Dang, Mom! Like, Mom just savaged her. Miss Saraswati herself in 2007 told conservative media host Glenn Beck that she was estranged from her family for re reasons other than what I can get into. Well, because you're white? <laughs> you're, you're like trying to find, imagine this your kid they're doing this oh i'm at the pyramids oh i'm totally egyptian now look at my fancy necklace i'm on a camel without a face covering that doesn't seem normal uh you have miss perone was adopted by carl and winifred seidel who ran a guest house in the catskill mountains in windham her biological parents were ed newman and myrtle burkhart an alcoholic of Alliance, Ohio, who had 18 children, put most of them up for adoption, uh, according to 1988. Newspaper report found. Ms. Perone said Saraswati's father is now passed away. She had a relationship with him before marrying. Well, don't really care about that stuff. Of course, what's great is she studied at, she studied Simmons University in Boston, settling in Massachusetts and marrying her girlfriend. Very Muslim of you. In 2004, the couple was mentioned in the Boston Globe feature in which Miss Saraswati went by the name Seidel and said she was of Arab and Latin descent. Raquel Evita Seidel, 20, in Brookline, said that she and her girlfriend, Ando Colby, had been together for nine months. Well, that seems long enough to get married. While they are confident that they want to marry, they also want to take time to plan something. I mean, what? Like, fake? Fake being an Arab? I mean, what is this? This is so funny. Of course, the couple is now divorced, and Saraswati moved from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania, where she now lives. She took on a higher profile after 9-11 and appearing on Glenn Beck's show in 2013, film produced by the Clarion Project, an organization of the Southern Poverty Law Center that specialized in rabidly anti-Muslim films. She worked with the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, another group that has been accused of promoting Islamophobia. What is even happening? Is she a double agent? On her Facebook page, she promotes a book entitled All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep. When Saraswati applied for a job at AFSC, Castro said that her ethnicity played a part in the decision. <gasps> wow, maybe we shouldn't be hiring people based on the color of their skin. What a novel idea. He said he was impressed by her resume and charisma. It seemed there was an element of lived experience and understanding. So you're a moron? You're in charge of hiring people and you're just an absolute idiot? Okay, I got you. 
Quote, imagine the trauma of people who confided in her, trusted her, and shared sensitive information about their work and about their lives, thinking that she's a fellow person of color, an AFSC leader said. And now, all of a sudden, it's just a white woman with a right-wing history. It's scary. I mean, I I don't even understand. This is what you get. If she's just gaming the system, uh, another epic troll moment, and I'm very proud of her. Uh, But if she's, you know, just a lunatic SJW, uh, I'm also uh, very proud of her because it just makes the rest of them look like the Looney Tunes that they actually are. And next up today, Taylor Lorenz just got demolished for her worst take in history. Absolute awesome story for you today. Anytime um, 94-year-old Taylor Lorenz gets dunked on on the internet, it's a good day. I like to report on it. I think Taylor Lorenz is an evil woman. I think that her sole job is to uh, ruin other people's lives. I think her job as a you know 87-and-a-half-year-old woman uh, parading around like she knows what's up and hip and she knows what all the TikTok kids are up to is cringe and a massive self-own. She's a liar. She's well-connected. She's censorious. And she is a problem in the journalism world. So I have zero, zero uh, uh, sympathy for her when people dunk on her or when she gets uh, you know proper because she, her entire career, whether it was at the New York Times or the Washington Post, or any of these places, has been to ruin people's lives, to write long pieces about how they're the worst thing to ever uh, grace the internet and and dox them and and frighten them and scare them. We saw her do it with libs of TikTok. And now, uh, you know, she's essentially been roasted into oblivion, which is like a side note benefit of this. Uh, I want to talk about her hilarious hot take that's everybody is dunking on on the internet right now, but also like a good, kind of like a good news thing. Like this post has 200 likes, 288 likes. If you scroll her Twitter account, it's a complete wasteland. She has been ignored by the entirety of the internet and she has now finally obtained uh, authentic lull cow status that that means and nobody talks about anything you know that she does that's pr- productive it's only news when she's being a goof when she's getting goofed on so here's a post by the way she calls herself disabled too now that's a new thing she started doing but uh there's several threads that she put out that just absolutely <laughs> demolish you see wayne kind of i can't or i kind of can't get over the fact that taylor the wrens the typical middle uh, thinks the typical middle schooler has the exact same concerns as a neurotic Twitter-addled 40-year-old media personality. Uh, you see, like, well, I mean, these are all t- tweets that went, you know, get thousands and thousands of likes. You see, Lorenz is kind of like an over-the-top caricature of a certain kind of millennial archetype, the affluent, educated, hyper-online media worker who has overlearned the quote, quote, the personal is the political to such an extent her politics are basically entirely an expression of her own personal neuroses. I mean, there's, if you looked, you know, Taylor Renz has been trending um, all day and it's because of this hilarious hot take here. Now this did get 10,000 likes, which is impressive it, until you, you know, 
take a look at the fact that we, we can't respond to it. Nobody can respond to it. Only people she follows or mentions can reply because every time she tweets, there's a deluge of people making fun of her. Now, people are like, why are kids so depressed? It must be their phones. But never mention the fact that we're living in a late stage capitalist hellscape during an ongoing deadly pandemic. <laughs> what? Nobody thinks there's an on- nobody agrees with that take. With record wealth inequality, zero social safety net, job security as climate change cooks the world. By the way, this is a woman that was born into extreme wealth, has never gone hungry, has never gone without a life of luxury at every possible turn her entire life. She was born into a multimillionaire family. She's never actually had to work to pay for a dang thing. And she used all her family's connections to get where she got. Now, you know, if you look at her uncle or whatever it was, or some family member owns the internet wayback machine and uses, she abuses her family connections to scrub all of her old tweets out of the archives. So let's take a look at this tweet. First of all, do you know why kids are so depressed? It's because she's saying, well, it's, it's, you know, kids must be worried about the capitalism. That's what's upsetting kids. Not, not around my neighborhood. You know, kids are outside playing in the snow. They're having, you know, fun. They're enjoying their lives. The only kids that live with like doom and gloom are ones whose parents are like you, who are still making them wear masks outside uh, when they want to play with their friends. I see it. I see kids alone outside wearing masks. These kids have like been damaged so deeply by people like Taylor Lorenz. That's the thing. Taylor Lorenz is why a lot of these kids are that way. TikTok, all these social media sites, they're why kids are that way. If the parents kept these kids off social media, they would never be happier. It has never been a better time to be a kid ever, in this, at least in this country, right? It's never been a better time to be alive, really, for anybody than it is right now. Uh, and the idea that, you know, it, she's, by the way, this is somebody who's like, terminally online, right? And who's, she said, not to be a doomer, but you have to be delusional to look at life in our country right now and have any amount of hope or optimism. What? I think I have tons of optimism. It's because I don't surround myself with neurotic entitled brats who live, you know, a life of luxury and are constantly acting like they're the victims. I mean, this is one of the dumbest hot takes I've ever seen of my, in my life. Um, from one of the most privileged individuals on the planet. It is hilarious to me. She continues, all the people yelling that capitalism, is, because she was getting quote tweeted to death, basically, all the people yelling that capitalism is actually going great and everyone in the U.S. should be cheerful and happy. If you're so content with your life, then why you, why would you do on here getting all worked up, huh? I mean... No, you you look that you look at all the social media, the bullying that's going on with kids uh, over you know over the internet. It's never been worse. Uh, you know the social media stuff. Kids are getting hyper adult content. Uh, you know all their 
everyone that Taylor Lorenz you sh- says you should look up to, or people like Taylor Lorenz says you should look up to, is a garbage human who makes kids feel bad about themselves, who get girls to, uh, you know, start interacting with boys earlier than they're, they're supposed to, or they're, than they're ready to, because, you know, that girl on TikTok says that it's time. All this stuff, parents letting their iPads raise their kids, going to school, and instead of writing out stuff, kids got laptops so they can be on social media and all this stuff all day long. This stuff is not good for anybody, including me. Like, I, I, like I've strongly, I've tried multiple times. I admit that I'm addicted. I use that. I have to have work, you know, for work as an excuse, but you know, I don't really feel awesome about social media almost ever. Um, you know, it's like every time I tweet something, there's like one random idiot. That's like, Oh, Hey, you're fat. Or, uh, Hey man, uh, I see you took this picture of, a of, um, a delicious drink you're having on vacation. Uh, but weren't you supposed to be losing weight? Like there's always somebody who does that, like uh, unsolicited comments, like side note, it's really dumb, cringe and annoying when people do that. It's like unsolicited comments about my weight, just as an example, it's like they're like concern trolling or I don't know if they're just like completely oblivious to it, but it's like, bro, you know that I know that, uh, I need to get healthier. You commenting on a, a completely unrelated Twitter post uh, about that is not helping me. You're actually just an a-hole. Like, I don't even understand. So it's like, even me, a 40-year-old man, sees like, God, there's just, you know, like, oh, here's a picture of my dog. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, awesome dog, man. Uh, but I noticed there's a Red Bull can behind your dog. I thought you were cutting carbs. Like, that, sh- that happens every day. It's like, if kids put down the phone and they don't have to like consume that, yeah, they're going to be a lot better off. And you see somebody says to her, I'm interested to know exactly when in history, per Taylor, it would have been better to be a young person than it is right now, especially for girls and the LGBT community. Oh my God, I love it. She then says, no hate to this OP, but since people keep saying this, literally nowhere did I say I wanted to go back in time. Yeah, but you said that there's this country's in a hellscape and it's all negative and, you know, everything's really bad. You can think we're living in a late stage capitalist hellscape and worry about global warming without wanting to go back to when women didn't have credit cards or vote. No, you really can't. You're 40 years old and you only talk about negative stuff. Your entire life is baked, built around being negative and saying the world's ending. Sure, she says... Me, things are bad. We're living through through a pandemic. For her, it's never going to end, by the way. Facing climate change, it feels impossible to be hopeful about the future. People on Twitter, oh, so you want to go back to time when gay pe- That's your people, Taylor, by the way. The only people that can reply to this post are Taylor's own followers. So she's getting dunked on by her own followers. I mean, I, I mean are you new here? Of course people on Twitter are terrible. That's proving their point, Taylor, like if kids weren't on Twitter, TikTok and, and whatever, Snapchat and stuff all the time, they could be, you know, playing sports, doing something fulfilling, fulfilling, having a hobby. You know, I'm not like trying to be a prude, but it's just true. I, I don't see social media as like a net positive really for anyone. And like in the, in the best of best case scenarios, it's like 5149 net positive. 
if it ever teeters like a little bit more the other way, it's like, I'm out, you know, like, yes, it was important to build my brand, but now it's like, well, mental health kind of matters. And when you have it on their phones, like they can't get away from it. I see these kids, like I've got family members, 15, 16 year old kids. And they're like on their phone constantly all the time on TikTok, Snapchat, this, that, or other thing, you know? And it's like, I'm sure they're not consuming all, you know, content that makes them feel great about themselves because I've seen the content out there. And last up today, woke cops will now arrest gamers for hate speech, already patrol Fortnite, Minecraft, CSGO, and more. Uh, this is an interesting story because a lot of times when you look at what's going on around the world, it's a precursor or it's an indicator of, you know, what's headed towards the United States, especially when you're talking about woke garbage. For example, Canada and the UK still uh, exceedingly more woke than the United States, even though the United States is spiraling down the toilet of woke. Uh, you can look at, you know, the UK trying to arrest people, literally arresting people for saying mean things on the internet, uh, making jokes that the people, you know, people find offensive. You're welcome to look up a gentleman called Count Dankula to look more about that. You could look uh, at, you know, uh, Justin Blackface Trudeau and a lot of the 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 um, policies that they have in Canada. And, you know, the oh, you're too expensive to fix. So just here's a 50 cents to go in the end yourself machine stuff. And now we have video game companies working with local police to uh, arrest people, put or you know, find people for being mean in video games. All this stuff with you know modern woke video games and stuff like that really makes uh, me want to remind people that there are amazing games from the retro market. And I'm not even saying you have to go all the way back to NES or 8-bit, 16-bit games, but I'm talking about you know, uh, the Super Nintendo, N64, PlayStation 1, original Xbox, games that maybe the graphically, they don't exactly hold up, but they're just so much better in so many conceivable ways nowadays. But now you have Ubisoft teaming up with the UK police to handle, quote, extreme cases of in-game speech deemed life-threatening, quote, we want to be on the right side of history. Maybe it's because you... Have your company was exposed for having like, you know, every problem under the book that every video game company seems to happen. But let's take a look at the story. Ubisoft has announced they are working with the police to track and potentially arrest players for in-game speech when there is a credible threat to life. Now, I don't exactly know who's defining that. And I think we've learned... Um, you know, I think we've learned that these things are not well-intentioned. They are, they are not meant to actually, you know, save anybody's life because if they were, maybe they'd work on swatting. No, what this is, is putting systems in place to catch wrong thinkers and to scare wrong thinkers. Stephen Powell, Stephen Powell of the BBC reports that Ubisoft has made the deal with Northern uh, Northumbria Police, who operates there in northeast England and has been in development for a long time, along with special officers who handle, quote, harmful online interactions. Educating Ubisoft's new Newcastle Customer Relationship Center, Ubisoft can now escalate, quote, extreme cases to police. Now, I think it's pretty obvious 
that they're they're going to have the biggest snowflake do nothing loser, uh, you know, in charge of this at Ubisoft. So you know, so these are you know brought to you by the same people that say, um, you know, if you don't say. Uh, if you know that words are violence, you know the same people that that say you know words uh, are are actually damaging are now going to be running this. Mm, can't wait. The cases reportedly to include a threat or you know serious harm. The relevant information then is forwarded to the police, who ultimately decide if they need to act. They act. That's what police do. Though the Newcastle staff can recommend legal action, is also noted that less than 0.01% of the cases the center dealt with needed police involvement. A handful of cases each month. Okay, so you're going to arrest a handful of people every single month for words they say in a video game? Now, do I think that there are zero scenarios where you know, something maybe ask, need to get escalated. No, I mean, I'm sure there are, you know, somebody doxes you, knows where you live, mentions someone shows up at your house. Yeah, you get police involved. But that's not how this is going to be uh, rolled out or enforced. We all know that. Ubisoft's Andrew Holiday told the BBC that it isn't just a gaming problem. It's an internet problem. Wow, thanks for solving it for us. That's what we need is more government. There's a real appetite to make the whole ecosystem a better place. Who? What we're working on closely with police on is triaging. You know, we look at a case and decide, right, is this one we can deal with in-house or is this something we need to pass on? Holiday pondered. He explained that the police will also handle cases that almost surpass the criteria for their involvement. However, this scheme may be extended, of course, Far beyond the UK, here we go, beyond the UK borders, no matter where the perpetrator lives, Holiday brings up one recent case in Norway, calling, recalling things were said and behaviors were displayed that hit our threshold for intervention. There was a threat to their life or serious harm. We don't know what that threshold is. Um, the agreement with the police meant that after we flagged it, even though it wasn't a UK citizen, they were able to get Norwegian authorities involved and it was a lot quicker, more efficient, and safer than what they do as private citizens. I told you they'd be rolling this out. Like, of course. So now you're going to have local PD showing up at your house uh, because some snowflake at Ubisoft decided that, you know, I wonder how many of these usernames have like Trump in them or something like that. Like, look, I don't love logging in the Call of Duty and here's some clearly white person calling everyone the n-word i don't think that's you know not what i want to hear online i'm not going to pretend that it doesn't happen because it does and it's cringe and stupid and whenever someone does it i make fun of them but i'm not trying to stop it i'm not trying to send police to their house i just mute somebody if they're annoying it's like if you play call of duty you log in there's always one or two people that get muted immediately uh, because they're just dumb or they're a little squeaker saying racist stuff for attention. But like you could just mute them. We already have all of the tools we could possibly need for this. Paul reports that Ubisoft hopes this will spark discussion. Oh yeah, this is a, this always watch out for this word because we see it when like Disney had their super racist, um, white fragility article last week or, uh, episode get reported on last week. They, their director said, I'm really glad I could spark a conversation. Mm, that's not what you wanted to do. 
You know, th- that your job is to entertain, not to spark a conversation. All right. Go make your lame documentary if you want. Let the kid, t- you know, the kids cartoons be. It says we have millions of players and tens of millions of interactions. So it's daunting. But at the same time, it's very important, which is why we wanted to sign this deal and try to make things right. My guess is somebody probably tried to sue them. Somebody probably tried to sue them. And and that this is where we ended up. I mean, early January, police officials are now on Fortnite to monitor hate speech and grooming. Hey, the second one, maybe we'll talk about. Hate speech is not against the law. I mean, it's but again, a lot of this stuff is in the UK or Europe, but it's coming, my friends. It is absolutely coming. Danish police have taken in in-game security to a brand new level by deploying a squad of officers to patrol the internet. They've created a special online unit, Polite Polite's Online Patrol, whatever. Oh, Police Online Patrol. Okay. Um, Their goal is to strengthen their digital presence and allow citizens, in this case players, to engage with dialogue and or conversation with a digital lawkeeper on the internet. Imagine that. Who on earth wants this? Who on, you know, a few patrol officers have created accounts in online games such as Fortnite, Minecraft, Counter-Strike. They often play with young people online and moderate games on Twitch as well. This is a special online division that even has its own Discord server. Now, hey, you want to talk about, you know, getting in Minecraft and looking for these creepo creepazoids who are trying to, you know, get pictures from kids or whatever like that? I, I support that 100%. Um, when you start talking about hate speech and mean words and all this other stuff, uh, I'm a hundred percent out on that. You want to protect the kids? That's cool. You want to, you know, police people's speech online. That is not cool. That is not something that I would support. That's not something that I would ever want a dollar of my uh, tax dollars going towards. And it's absolutely absurd. And I'm sure that it's coming this way. You know, you see this on spike. Now the speech police are coming for gamers. This is like. This is the first front line of articles about this, but I promise you it's coming to the United States. It's coming to you know a town near you, and it's just not good. None of it's good. I mean, there's absolutely nothing. I don't want freaking cops uh, getting paid to play video games and look for you know people who say offensive things. You're allowed to say offensive things. You're allowed to you, we have all the tools that we could ever possibly need to moderate. Uh, you know, speech and interactions online. Uh, we don't need cops in there too. It's absolutely absurd. But, you know, we just let it happen. You know, there's no real way. There's It's really nebulous. Like, how do you fight back against it? Um, and it just happens. And then, you know, half the country supports it anyway. And so it just keeps going more. The government keeps taking more and more power. It keeps um, invading more and more of our lives. And there's just seems like no way of stopping it. It's absolutely disgusting. Make sure you check out MetaPCs, uh, the link in the description, promo code the quartering. Get a computer. You can play some old retro games on it where they aren't online all you know all the time. That would be nice. And Ubisoft, uh, I don't think I'll be giving you any of my money anytime soon. Hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it, and we'll talk to you again real soon.